welcome everyone to around the acl it's um it's been a long track of events you guys (laughs) so you have to bear with us on the delay here um, we're, we're getting it together. Anyways, Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione coming off of back Yo. to back to back to back to back. I don't even remember the last time we've stopped the events. <laughs> this is my first around the ACL in like four weeks. Because if That's you think about true. It, we didn't slacker. have one last week. We didn't have what one last week. And then Bernie filled in for me two weeks. And I guess my third third week. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot how to do this. I don't even know what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> Who are you guys? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> oh, man. We are um, getting into it. We had an awesome event uh, this past weekend in Milwaukee. We've got an event coming up this weekend in Canton, Ohio. We had one of the most electric uh, super holes and shootouts that uh, was t- that took place at Summerfest, uh, which was a huge music festival. Um, all sorts of fun stuff. Can't wait to get into it, but... Uh, you guys recovering from the weekend? I'm I'm recovered from the weekend. Milwaukee wasn't too bad. Um, mostly just like I was gone for 13 days, turned out to be. So I was like, I was ready to be home in my own bed. I slept till like 10 a.m. on Sunday, and I have no regrets about it whatsoever. <laughs> so it was, uh, but no, it was it was incredible. I love the you know the being alongside Summerfest. I'd never been to Summerfest and it was cool just to kind of be on site there. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Like I almost wish I had more time to kind of just hang out. I was ready to get home, but like, it's a really cool spot. It's got a good vibe. The food was good. The, you know, obviously good music. I mean, it was, it was a place you want to hang out. Well, somebody did hang out and it wasn't me and it wasn't you. Mish tried to get you to (laughs) hang out. You, you, you ditched us. You ditched us. Technically, you Anthony ditched me. I turned around, like you guys were all gone. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay with that because I didn't get a text of where are you. You were like, oh, here's my nope. chance to get to slip out. <laughs> what, Anthony, yeah, out till 2 a.m.? Man, every night. Yeah, it was it was, it was was rough. Um, you know, got to hang out with Stacy a little bit. Um, yeah, that was fun. Uh, that was like the late, late evening. But, yeah, we the, the, um, the Summerfest – uh, event was awesome. Um, like you were saying, the vibe was high, you know, going back to Nashville a couple years ago, that was kind of like, you know, the baseline for me or the top, this, this was kind of right there up there with it for me, you know, just kind of getting that traffic, you know, around you, that vibe, you could hear some of the other concerts going on. Um, but yeah, people just kind of came into the show ready to have a good time. And I think, I think Matt said it the best. Um, uh, he's our executive producer or director. What's his, what's his role? Okay. Yeah. He said, it just felt like a cornhole party. And to me, that kind of resonated. And it was like, you know what? If, if that's our goal and we can achieve that, I think that's really, really perfect because, you know, that's kind of where Cornhole came from, right? You know, just the party atmosphere, the backyard kind of party thing. And that's what it felt like. It felt like a party and everybody was having a good time. And being able to come right off of the broadcast into the concert environment was cool. We had, you know, Tyler Hubbard on the show who – was going to be performing right afterwards. So if you don't know Tyler from uh, Florida Georgia line, you know, he was one of the main features at one of the the big um, stages that they had set up. So being able to roll right off the broadcast and a group of, uh, you know, group of us just kind of flowing right into his, um, into his show. And he put on a really good show. Yeah. It turned out being a really awesome night, man. I, I won't forget that one. That one will go in the, in the memory books for sure. 
Awesome. Well, let's get into the details of it. We'll start with you, Trey. Uh, tell us your thoughts and uh, everything from the past weekend. Yeah, so a lot, lot to unpack um, between, you know, the shootout, the open, the Super Bowl. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll start with the, um, you know, the, the, the shootout side of things. And we look at, I'll start with, with Fisher Hamilton. Um, Fisher Hamilton, another weekend and another really strong performance by Fisher Hamilton. And Hamilton walks away from the weekend with two titles. He wins yes. both the men's pro shootout singles and he wins the open doubles. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because we've been so quick to highlight and showcase what Mark Richards did in just a year's time. And now we're extending that into two years. If you pause for a second and really think about it, Fisher Hamilton is kind of doing something similar on this end. Hamilton now has seven ACL titles, seven, right? Wow. About that. I kind of, I, I tweeted this out and I threaded this out. Is that the is that the new verb? Thread? I don't know what the past. Yeah, like threaded. the yeah. <laughs> I threaded um, that you know he's passed Cody Henderson, Jordan Camba, Kyle Malone, Damon Dennis. Wow, Fisher Hamilton has legends. more titles than all of these guys. Right now, is it a little bit skewed because we have sixteen opens? There's more opportunities to win. Yes. Right. We always have to factor that in. Right. But at the same time, you look at Matt Guy's titles. Matt Guy won a bunch of titles when there were nine nationals instead of just four. Right. So in a way, you could say there's somewhat of a comparison there. Those that really thrived in the 2019 to 2020 range yep. kind of got hurt because there weren't as many events. But all being said, he still got seven big wins under his belt. And for Fisher Hamilton, you know, we got to start at least getting in the conversation of, of one of the great runs that we've seen. Now, unfortunately, he's being overshadowed by Mark Richards, who I'll get to in a second. Um, but ultimately, I mean, Anthony, if you think about it, and even for you, Mish, like, how do we view Fisher Hamilton if he goes and wins the singles world championship, right? How does yeah. how does how does our perception of Fisher Hamilton change in that regard? Does it automatically become Mark Richards, Jamie Graham, 2020 territory? Like, is it automatically yep. in that, in that space? In my mind, it's better than Trey Birchfield in 2021. It's probably on par Jamie Graham, 2020. It's, it's close to Mark Richards, 2022. Ultimately, I, I think we're underrating if, if that's even possible how well of a year that, that Fisher Hamilton is really having. So I think, I think because of that, he, he ultimately stole the weekend and, and stole the show this weekend. Yeah. I wouldn't even say we're underrating. It's just kind of all happening here late ish in the season, you know, with the national number three, knocking it down, knocking two down this weekend, the success in the opens, you know, it's, it's tough. Cause we're, we're rapid firing. We're event after event after event. So you're kind of taking in all this, uh, at the same time, but yeah, you, you almost, you know, gonna want to get to the end of the season so you can look back over the whole thing and go, okay, here's, here's what that looks like. But yeah, the kid is, is absolutely killing it. And to speak to that shootout singles that he won, you know, your bottom four, you had a, a Derek Holland and a Philip Lopez coming out of the left side, Hamilton Rubin coming out of the, uh, out of the right side. 
and I'll get to Hamilton in a minute, but Jay Rubin threw absolute gas all yeah. weekend. Singles, doubles, shootout, and open. I mean, statistically, he was at the top. Um, his match, he was he was slated to make the run that Fisher Hamilton was making. You know, he was slated to get in there in singles and doubles. He runs into Hamilton in singles. He throws an 11 to get to TV. Throws an 11. Yeah. What more can you do? Well, Hamilton did what's more. He threw two bags more into the hole. He had an 11.33. So Ruben throws 42 of 48 bags in the hole to get to TV. Loses. Hamilton and throws 44. <laughs> I was standing there with Matt. We're going to have Matt again. I was sitting there. There were six times that I said, I looked over at Matt and I said, Jay Ruben has to hit this shot right here if he wants to stay in the game. Has to. Because Fisher Hamilton is throwing so well. I think it was four airmail drags and two regular airmails or a collapse. Yes. So yes. six shots. I said, he's got to go six for six. He went six for six. He hit every shot that he yep. needed to, and he still lost. It was unbelievable. <clears throat> but that's the kind of player you're going to get out of a, a Fisher Hamilton. And really props to Holland as well. He had a really strong singles performance. He goes through a Schrader. He goes through Maudlin, putting 44, 48 bags in the hole for an 11.25. Um, he goes through Sutton, who's been killing it in the shootouts this season. And he's statistically, or I mean, historically, if we look back, he's always been successful in the shootouts. He goes through Creek Killer and then Philip Lopez Jr. to get to TV. So shout out to him. Um, you know, a guy that we've talked about in the past that could be elite. So he's kind of showing that capability there. But for Fisher Hamilton, he did what I've said you know, as we're starting to make more sense of the stats, what it takes to win tournaments, you got to have a 10 plus and pair that with a one plus DPR. That is the key. <clears throat> Having a 10 plus PPR and a 0.5 DPR doesn't get you wins anymore. Matt Guy, a perfect example of that. He'll throw a 10, eight, but then he'll, his DPR is low because players are right behind him with a 10, four, you know? So he's leaving that hole open. And the thing about Fisher Hamilton, that's scary going into worlds. He's racking up the TV broadcast experience. National number three champ, three doubles showouts in uh, in the shootouts with Kano, and now here he is again on TV for shootout seven. So he's gaining that needed confidence. We saw him in the first teams event, white face, didn't know what was going on. <clears throat> Fast forward to today, the dude's a beast. He's going to be tough. Yeah, he used to look terrified. Now he looks comfortable, and that's scary. Yeah, no doubt. And I think yeah. what he's showing is. I'm kind of looking at the game as this new one-two combo. What's the one-two combo that makes you the best player in the world? In the past, you know, we go back to 17, 18, 19, you would say a good slide shot and an airmail was the one-two combo. Right now, I kind of think a roll bag and a slick side push. Being able to navigate through traffic and clean up at the end is a solid one-two combo. I have a good roll bag in my back pocket, and then I can flip it over and slick side clean up with push. I think that might be the best one-two combo in the game right now. And he has that. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that. One fun fact about Fisher Hamilton, the world championships were to be the first time where people can bet on Fisher Hamilton. He will turn 18 before the uh -oh. world championships. Oh, okay. Will have betting lines. So how many people do you think are going to lay some money on Fisher Hamilton for the first time going into Worlds? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, All right, um, keep rolling, Trey. I know you got more than just Fisher to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously on the women's side, Yeti Irwan was someone that uh, kind of feels like Cameron Belvin. She likes just kind of waiting until the last second. She'll just uh, – she'll snag one of the yep. last ones. You know, 
we last year we saw a bad trend with Yeti, right? Where she wasn't performing on the broadcast court. We didn't really see that this year. She just hadn't gotten there. She finally gets there and she gets the big win. So I think it was, you know, it was cool to see from her. On the same time, as much as I'm happy and impressed, I'm uh, with with Erwan, I'm kind of a little bit worried about Sarah Cassidy, right? Now she's on the verge of going two full seasons without making or winning a shootout. She won it back in 2021, but she hasn't won it in 2022, and she hasn't won yet in 2023. That's a little bit concerning to me as we go into the final one in Canton, Ohio. So um, good on on Yeti there. Last two thoughts, you know, the world champs finally back into form. I don't know what it was. I don't know what what. And, and they did it in the open too. They made it all the way to the finals. They were the undefeated team. Yeah, maybe they waited a little bit too long, got double dipped. Who cares, right? A switch was flipped with the world champs. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's the end of the year. I don't know if it's just something clicking or if it's just Jordan Power, right? You know, I hear Anthony Max. say Jay Rubin's been that guy the whole time, right? I, I think he's maybe close to that the whole time, but there's no way this guy throwing an 11 over the entire season and not not getting anywhere close. I mean, right, right. He really, he really wasn't. Now, I think something did maybe flip a little bit with Jordan Power, which has led to that success. The question for me is, is this someone, is this a team that people are going to want to put money on for the world championships? I mean, the world champions, reigning champions, back in the house that they won, showing they can come back, Jordan Power throwing well again, even Jordan Power throwing well in singles, like, it's worth a thought, right? A thought to maybe think that these guys could potentially go in and, and win a world championship. So um, that's my thought on doubles, and I'll and I'll end with Mark Richards. Three straight singles wins, right? When you go back to open, national, open, uh, shootout a little bit different. In a play to 21 format, he's got three straight wins. Uh, he's just flat out better than everybody right now when it comes to the plate of 21 four, um, there's not really anybody. He's on another level right now. He's doing what, how he finished last season. And if Mark Richards carries this into the world championships, Anthony, and he wins, I, this is a huge if, right? I just say the if game with Fisher Hamilton, but how do we view Mark Richards? If he wins another singles world championship in back-to-back years, He gets title number 16 and jumps into third all-time by himself on that title list. I mean, we made – I don't know if you guys remember this, but we did a buy or sell at the very beginning of the season, and we said he's not going to catch Matt Guy, but will Mark Richards catch Trey Birchfield this season in all-time titles? And we all went – Mm, he's doing really well, but Trey Birchfield's going to get a couple, right? He's going yeah, to get a couple. Guess what? Trey Birchfield did get a title this year, and Mark has still caught him. And we're talking about Mark passing him now. Wow. We're talking about Mark possibly getting all the way to Jamie Graham at this point. And I know that seems far-fetched right now, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about Mark Richards. He is, He is, you know... The game that he plays is boring, but it is effective. And he just will mentally wear anybody else down. And I know we're going to talk about MVP race later. 
and I know I shouldn't take opens into consideration, but it's just so hard to watch that guy and say, is he the most valuable player on the season this year? I think that's going to be the thing that we talk about the most here over the next few weeks. Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, so for the women's, <clears throat> your bottom four, again, you know, kind of looking at who has that opportunity for TV. Daniela Luna made a little bit of a run versus Yeti Irwan. Obviously, Yeti gets the win to go in. Um, and Fillingham against Cassidy, Cassidy getting that one. And you mentioned Cassidy. It, it might be that same story we were talking about earlier with Tony Smith, you know, maybe kind of towards the beginning of the season. Does Tony Smith have a finishing problem? We might be able to say the same thing about Cassidy. She comes in hot in these things, and something just happens towards the end. She was the hottest player in the field. She comes on to TV throwing back-to-back -back gas. She goes an 11.1, beats Coy 21-2, and then beats Fillingham 22-3. So she's 43-5 in her last two games to get to TV. So coming in hot, but ultimately Yeti gets the win. We just didn't see that same Cassidy that was in those two lead-in games show up on the broadcast. And we should mention, and maybe this plays into it, not, not only did we switch venues – we went from indoor to outdoor, and there were hours separated by, you know, by that. We're driving another, what, 20 minutes north to get to the other venue. So who can handle that change up, you know, having to figure out the new elements? It's been four hours since you threw your last bag, um, but Yeti was the one that got it done. And I think the difference in the game was her airmail. Yeti has a much improved airmail coming into this 2023 season. Um, and it came into play in both of her matches uh, on the broadcast. Um, shootout doubles. <clears throat> I got. I got to say, like I really watched some players closely this weekend. I was able to follow a few, and and Jay Rubin was one of those, just because of his run through. As well as I was really interested in keeping a close eye on Devin Harbaugh. I got to say, both of these guys are legit doubles partners. If you just talk about a guy that could get the best. Add whoever's across the boards from them. I think they do a really good job of that. Jay Rubin, I think, is perfect for a guy like Jordan Power, who gets emotional, who sometimes, you know, toes that line on, you know, talking stuff and bringing extra energy to the game. And Rubin is just in the right moment saying, okay, okay, let's worry about the next bag. Let's calm that down for a minute. And when you're looking across at your partner, and both of these guys do this really well, Rubin and Harbaugh, just from an IQ perspective, so many times we see a partner look across the boards for a consult just for some feedback. And a lot of players, a lot of teammates will just say, whatever you want. You know, you kind of get that whatever you want. But these guys will follow up of whatever you want with some instruction. Harbaugh will say, whatever you want, but if you shoot an airmail, I want it here, not here. If you shoot an airmail, I want it this high, not this high. If you're going to push, attack this bag, not this bag. And that's what you get out of a Harbaugh and Ruben. And then when your player is down and they're not playing well, they always seem to be like, I got you coming back this way. I got you coming back this way. Hey, you know, bags off the board. Finish off with a nine. Just finish off with a nine. We got this. So I, I was really impressed with them just as doubles partners in general. And it makes sense that they're so successful in those formats. <clears throat> but Jay Ruben, man, big boy Gary. And Power is going to tell you all day because he's a straight-up dude, he's a real dude, Jordan Perry. Jordan, or uh, excuse me, Ruben single-handedly won that doubles tournament for them. Um, let's just go to the broadcast. Not only did, did he throw gas all the way leading in, <clears throat> on the broadcast, Jay Ruben skunked bats in 10 to zip. 10 to zero, and they won 12 to 10. They won by two points. So that means power was outscored two to 10, and that was kind of the theme throughout the whole event. Power had a minus 0.5 
minus 0.45 DPR on the day. That means in doubles, he was losing on average. But Jay Rubin was killing his side of the board. Um, and, and it happens. You know, we see it so time. Ru Power came out the next day, and he makes it all the way to the end of his bracket, you know, and he threw gas in, in, in the next day in singles. So there are moments when you're going to have these, you know, these these uh, floor performances. And Jay Rubin, just one of those partners where when, when his partner's flooring, he does a really good job of kind of pushing them through. Um, there was a comment from, and it didn't come from anyone on the broadcast, uh, that lost. I'll, I'll say that because players could come away with excuses. There was a downhill from commentator left to right. So there was a downhill coming this way. So the players throwing, and as anyone knows, if you want to, if you have a choice between throwing uphill and downhill, Mish, what do you want to do? Up. You want to throw uphill. Yeah, I throw, I throw hard. <laughs> yes, downhill is the worst. Downhill is the worst. So those guys throwing downhill, <clears throat> um, and I'll give props to the guys that, you know, Batson struggled, uh, David Moore's, on the shootout struggled. Uh, neither one of them said anything about having to throw downhill, but it was discussed later that downhill was rough, not by those guys. So they were dealing with those elements. So yeah, throwing up is definitely the way to go. Um, you mentioned the open, just a couple mentions in opens, uh, kind of like I see you. You know, we've got this kid, Ryan Trader out there, takes second in his bracket. Um, he goes through a, a Schrader, 21 zip. He's up 14 to zero on Tony Smith for the King seat match. He gets Jordan Power a little bit later to get to the King seat or to get to the championship match. Ultimately loses to Tony Smith, 21-17. So he's right there in the final. Ryan Trader, I see you. Uh, Brady Foster takes fifth in his bracket. Another young stud out of New York. Blaine Rozier. You know, we talk about these players who, you know, kind of keep showing up a little bit. Getty show, showing up. You know, the Kufi keeps showing up in doubles. I think Blaine Rozier, another one of those guys. Third in bracket, going through all pros. He gets a Donald Cup. He goes through Justin Carpenter, 21 to 0. Takes down Hoffman, Justin Stranger, and then he picks off each of the members of a top 10 doubles team. He gets Rawls, and then he gets Birchfield back-to-back. -back. Stop playing. So Blaine Rozier, uh, shout out to him. I see you, man. And then Frank Verona, uh, another young stud out of New York. This dude actually surprised me a lot. He's got this kind of little hitch in his throw. So in my mind, I'm kind of, you know, when I look at a guy like Alex Hicks against a Verona, for example. You know, Alex Hicks' technique is so clean. It's so on point. Verona has this little bit of a hitch, but he's working through that. Um, check out these wins. Alec Ryan, 25 zip. He gets Matt Guy, 21 to 2. Shermerhorn, 21 0. Most people won't even know who Frank Verona is. Um, and then takes the king seat over Hicks. So I see you, man. That guy threw elite level bags. He almost hit that. That mark I was talking about, a 10 plus, 1 plus. He was a 10 plus in a 0 0.8. So there's that difference. If you can get from a 0 0.8 to a 1, I think he wins that bracket. And that's over 86 rounds. So that's pretty tough. Uh, I see you. Um, but yeah, ultimately, Guy, this dude, did you see that? So we know a normal game is 17, 18 rounds. There is... We all know that guy is going to have a marathon match every single time. He's going to give everyone an open hole. I don't think I've seen this many rounds in one tournament. One tournament, the guy threw 223 rounds. Seriously. <laughs> 223 rounds, and he maintains an 8-6, Trey. Or, or, excuse me, a 10.86. Unbelievable. That's yeah, insane. He, he, nobody else is, I mean, it just – blows my mind that he, he's got the stamina to be able to do that i mean people laugh when i say that sometimes but i mean if you think about it 
how many other times can you do something a thousand times in a day? Because if you think about it, you said 223 rounds. If you multiply that by essentially, and he made, was that 224 rounds just in the bracket? Just in the bracket. So if he went on to the, to the playoff rounds, there's he more. Did. So he threw over a thousand bags in that tournament. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, Richard's getting Perfect. it done. I just wanted to kind of sum up his late surge. And I think he said it really well on one of the broadcasts because he's a basketball guy. He's a basketball-minded guy. He said he plays his best basketball at the end of the season, and that's exactly what he's doing. If you look at his last showings, the last shootout he played in, he won. The last two opens he played in, he won. And the last national he played in, he's won. So he's 4-0 and in the last four singles events that he's been in. Um, and if you look at it, if you look in doubles, Phil's a great player. I can't seem to get through to Phil. He's a pretty quiet guy. He kind of does his own thing. But I'd really like to get some direct feedback from him on how doubles are going. So now I'm just speaking about kind of what I see, not necessarily inside information. Phil's a, an elite level player. But if he was just here instead mm -hmm. of here, just that little bit, that little bit more, you know, they go out to national number one, take second in bracket. National number two, they win their bracket second overall. National number four, they win their bracket third overall. So if Philip Lopez was just here and not here, just that little bit more, we might be talking about Mark Richards with multiple doubles national championships and then this run he's just had in singles, which would be outrageous. Absolutely. So that begs the question into going to next year, and we know it's coming. I think the pro division looks way different in the double side when we get into next year you know there's all of these talks of doubles teams and mixings and matchings i think top to bottom anything is possible don't be surprised when you see how the season turns out next year i can't wait to see what happens all the conversations and the announcements i am here for all of it uh we do have to get into the super hole that also happened this past weekend and will be happening this coming weekend um, as you mentioned we had tyler hubbard as one of our celebrities, but he wasn't the only one. And I felt like all the celebrities brought it. Uh, so Trey, what do you think about the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, Nikki Garcia was great. Uh, obviously Aaron Jones, Spice Adams, they were a lot of fun. Um, but it was ultimately, I thought, kind of Dayton Weber stole the show. And it was cool to see Dayton Weber, you know, uh, debut on TV and hit a four bagger. I was going crazy when he hit the four bagger, uh, ultimately lost in that game. But like, I thought it was a really special time for our sport. And, you know, he made sports center top 10, which doesn't happen, doesn't happen very often for us. So I thought that was, that was really cool and really special. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, Tyler, Tyler Hubbard was a great sport. I mean, he brought him on backstage, like when he was performing later that yeah. night. I mean, I, I thought it was, I, but I feel yeah, I think you put it well, Michelle. I thought all the celebrities brought it and they brought in energy and they were having a great time. And um, I thought it was one of the most entertaining Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl Super Bowls that we've had. Facts. <laughs> but Aaron Jones did take the win with Yeti, giving her that double win for the evening, which was very exciting. Um, and so Aaron Jones will be coming to Worlds. I don't know. Is it going to interfere with football season? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it, we're we're waiting to find out if he'll be there. So so we know Alexander Madison is going to be there. He can okay. make it, which is great. Um, we know just I don't believe Justin Turner is able going to be able to make it. Paige Hathaway will be there. Sonia Richards Ross will be there. Um, so we're we're starting to 
piece together kind of which of these celebs are going to make the the championship event. Awesome. And then we've got some celebrities coming up this weekend. We've got an all NFL roster. Maybe, can I just say a couple about this this last weekend before we move on? Nothing for um, you, Anthony. You are cut off. Yeah, yeah. You hush your mouth over there. <laughs> no, go ahead. I just wanted to say I thought um, just from an energy perspective, uh, you know, we talked about how good of, good of a show it was. I thought Nikki Garcia brought a lot of energy. She struggled at the game itself, um, but brought just really good energy to the room. And then EZ, man, I got to give a shout out for this guy. You know, Nikki was struggling through the game. He's he's her partner. I think he just brought a good positive energy, took some timeouts to give her some coaching throughout. You know, dude came out with his opening little dance booty move that Nikki does on her uh, on her openers. Uh, I, I thought he was awesome for the show. Um, and then uh, a shout out to uh, Mad City Cornhole because we came off of the broadcast and I think his name was Frank. Um, we the, the the concert was at the U.S. Cellular uh, concert venue. <clears throat> Apparently, he worked for U.S. Cellular or something like that. He got <clears throat> he got like twelve of us right on the front of the stage, right into the pit. So having that front row for the concert, it was you know Morellis and his lady Stephanie. Um, Uncle Bob was out there. Easy was there. There was a group of like twelve of us. No mich- no Mish. I mean, she was she was invited, but she did she doesn't like country. So I was not invited. <laughs> you guys ditched me, but I was okay with it. <laughs> All right, Bernie neighbors, stop playing. Yeah, um, I, I was actually totally fine with it. <laughs> that is a Bernie move. That is a Bernie move, big time. Well, we hang out a lot. What do you expect? But it was cool because, like you were saying, uh, you know, not only was the show amazing, but then Dayton gets, uh, you know, Tyler Hubbard's partner was Dayton Weber. So he got he's like, hey, here's my man, Dayton Weber. He got to come out. They were actually just behind the stage the whole time. So they got to watch the concert from backstage. I think Kenzie Beach was them back with him back there. And then he got to come out and uh, kind of get the crowd going. So that was a super, a super cool night. Um, you missed out, Mish. Sorry. I was at the uh, rooftop bar drinking Pinot Grigio, perfectly happy, as you were sending me videos. Just say, oh, we must have meet, we must have missed you because we came into the rooftop bar after the concert, and then that turned into the casino, which turned into three a.m. That it was that was rough. <laughs> no, that I was, was long rough. gone. I was in bed. <laughs> you did the wrong thing. I made bad choices all night. We might have been at we might have been up at the same time because I was catching my seven a.m. flight, so we were probably <laughs> yeah. in by yeah. twenty minutes. That was a, that was an early start for us for sure. Trey. All right. And then, uh, bunch you get into the celebrity super bowl coming up this weekend, Trey. Yeah. I think this is one of our best lineups ever. Right? Stacked. So it's, it is absolutely stacked. So you're going to one, let's start with the celebs, right? So we have Chad Ochocinco, incredible energy, right? I mean, anytime you got a guy that changed his last name to Ochocinco, um, <laughs> just incredible. So, uh, I can't wait for him. Um, Terrell Owens, I mean, T.O., we know all about T.O. and what, what he's going to bring. And they're going to be playing against one another in the first match. Okay. Or it could be first or second match. Don't know yet, but they will be playing each other in, in the first match that they play. Um, you have Andre Reed and you have Derek Mason, okay? Yes. So you have four NFL wide receivers, all, all pro wide receivers at some point in their careers. All of them known a little bit for their little smack talk. So this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. And then what do we do? We pair them with some our own version of some. Going to pair talk, smack right? talk with smack talk. Yeah. <laughs> so we got Logan Chamberlain, Cody Henderson, Berkeley Pear, and Jordan Power. So I think it's going to be an absolute blast. I mean, I think everybody was going to want to come out and watch. And uh, you know, I just I can't wait to see if they they jaw a little bit. Um, 
the only one that does kind of have a little bit of a history is funny quick story is uh at the national championship in 2018 uh for college football espn had a house like a like not a house but like an activation area and they had cornhole out there and uh stacy the commish and cody henderson went out there just to kind of help run the activation well who walks up to the boards is derrick henry and terrell owens so oh, yeah? walks up to the board with cody henderson right next to him and Tio's like, you know, he said something along the lines of, oh, I'm going to get you. And Cody Henderson goes, you're not going to score a point. <laughs> and and Cody, beat him, Cody beat him 21 zip in like four throws, obviously. <laughs> and so that's part of the reason that they got paired up together is because they've met before and Tio got his uh, butt whipped by that's Cody amazing. on the boards. <laughs> does, it, like, does he remember that, that that was him? We're going to find out if he remembers it. <laughs> oh my God. That's too funny. All right. Well, that's, that's definitely going to be a blast to watch in Canton, Ohio. Are we at the same venue? Like are we in one venue for everything, Trey? Yeah. Yeah. We should be. Yeah. We're right okay. in that hall of fame village, which is right there on site of the uh, pro football hall of fame. So awesome. um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. You guys, you guys have fun. I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Trey won't be there. Either. It's yeah. always weird when you're not there. <laughs> Are you yeah, seeing a trend yeah. here? Uh, he's ditching us on the ATA. He's he's not showing up to shootouts. Yeah, what's or, going may, on? Maybe maybe he just trusts us more, Mish. Let's go with that. He trusts okay, wait, us. We're going to fly with get that. It done. Positive energy. <laughs> Positive energy. All right. Well, we also want to talk about um, what happened at the final chase and the kind of end of the season rounding out as we go into Worlds. So, uh, Trey, what do you want to uh, mention there? on that big event. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we didn't really get a whole show to talk about the final chase and everything that happened a couple weeks ago. Right. I mean, we're talking about Mark Richards. We're talking about Tony Smith. I mean, like, I, I think those two, you know, in a way kind of stole the show. Um, and, and, and those are who we're talking about. And, you know, I'm starting to think, could this be a rivalry? Not like a, a, a nasty rivalry where people hate each other, but like, could this be something, you know, these two almost feel like they have staying power, right? Could this be something that we talk about from years to come? Or is it going to be Mark Richards versus Tony Smith over the next few seasons that we talk about being who's number one, who's number two, right? When we talk about an MVP race, they feel like the most, you know, high probable candidate, candidates that are going to, that could take it down. Um, and what's interesting is how different the two of them are, right? When we talk about stealing the show, Richards is methodical. He's going to point you to death. He doesn't care if the game goes 47 rounds. Yep. He's going to score one point at a time. Tony Smith, nah. I'm going to, I want to put you in a position to give up points. I'm going to hit the big shot. I'm going to be flashy. I mean, all these different things that we're talking about, that's what really makes Tony Smith a, a special player. So, you know, when I look at those two, I think those kind of, they kind of stole the show. Um, obviously, when you pair in Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson winning back-to-back -back nationals, it was, it was a, it was an event full of storylines, I think, from, from the final chases perspective. I mean, if, if I had told you at the beginning of the year, Anthony, that there was going to be a team to win two out of the four nationals and doubles. 
How many guesses would it have taken to get to Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson as that, oh. as that guess? Yeah, I was just talking to someone about this. Probably like eight or nine. I was going to say at most 10. Maybe seven. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe five to 10 or something like that. And that's if you were, you know, pegging. I mean, of all the players and all the names that were out there, it, it just, it was, it was, it's just been impressive to me to see a team and they're not full of rookies, right? How many times do we see like a rookie once they get onto the scene, like they jump all the way to the top, right? Here, that's not the case. Grindersleeve and Batson have been around for multiple years, multiple years. And they're, and it's just now that they seem to be really peaking, which I think really speaks to how well they are, right? Again, we're going to talk about breakout player of the year. It's tough to put Grindersleeve and Batson in a breakout player or breakout team of the year category simply because like what we're talking about going from number 10 to number yeah. two or number one. Yeah. So it's, it's tough to do that, but in a way it does kind of feel like a mini breakout for me that they, they've, they've taken that next level. And instead of becoming a very good team, they're now becoming a great team. So uh, I think it was just really cool to see a lot of these players, Mark Richards back on top, Tony Smith, you know, right there at it. You know, I'd say probably leading the MVP race. Um, definitely those two being being back to back, and then then Grindersleeve and Batson coming through with, with a big solid victory again. Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, I'm just from the lead-ins. I mean, we saw a Kyle Malone and a Jake Gore win their bracket. They didn't make the TV because we did uh, to only take two singles to the broadcast. But um, Kyle Malone came out hot out of the gate, right? I mean, haven't forgot about this guy. I mean. I know it's so easy to kind of get in this recency bias, but I always just keep an open mind, especially what happened earlier in the season. We haven't seen much from Kyle Malone. One, because he already locked up his his shootout win right at the right at the gate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was one of those players uh, that was just one win away from TV. We almost saw Kyle Malone in a singles final at a national. That's pretty impressive. And then Jake Gore. So two is that two times now he's been at that spot. Um, yeah. Tony Smith first or uh, Devin Harbaugh first time. Tony Smith, second time, one win. This kid, one win away um, from a singles uh, a singles final. So it's kind of cool to start seeing these young kids. We got Jake Gore doing work in singles. We had Alex Hicks, Hicks make his broadcast, national broadcast debut um, in doubles. I feel bad for the kid because he, he killed it all day, right? He wins his bracket and then gets on the broadcast, and it happens. It's going to happen to everybody. And I, kinda, I'm, I mean, kind of talking to him on the side, I'm impressed at how he's handling it. Cause he was hyped up quite a bit going into that and he just didn't throw his good stuff on the TV broadcast. So the kid is young. His future is bright. This is not going to be the last time we see Alex Hicks on a TV broadcast. So I think he's just looking to the next one because we're going to see him again soon, which, which is good. Um, but yeah, that match between Richards and Smith uh, minutes wise, God, it was a long one. We went over, didn't we try? I want to yeah. feel like that match yeah. was 40 plus minutes. Um, it was a uh, 30 round, 30 plus rounds. So, um, I get a little nervous for Tony Smith going really long. We know Tony Smith gets bored. Um, you know, does he start going for crazy shots just to end matches when it's round 37, 16 to 16, 18 to 18. Now the only difference in that match was one bag. It was round 31 or 30 something. He throws his first bag in the dirt. It's 16 to 16. Second bag is a little bit out to the right. Um, so he goes into this chase game. He had to chase it, you know, or he's given up a five to lose. So that one bag in the dirt was the difference 
after you know a marathon. So that that match was absolutely awesome to watch. They all were really. All the matches were great. Um, but yeah, just uh, Grindersleeve getting the back to back, like you were saying, it is kind of a little mini breakout, only because they're back to back national champs. Like you're saying, going from tenth to second, you know, hey, I don't call that a breakout, but to pull out back to back national championships uh, like that, that's that's pretty impressive stuff. Absolutely. All right, to wrap up, we're going to talk about the MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Breakout Player of the Year. We're going to be getting these ballots ready soon, I would assume, Trey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, – and, and we pretty much know what the ballots are going to be, right? So if we look at MVP, I think there's a pretty clear-cut uh, five people that, that, that kind of make the ballots. You're going to have Mark Richards. You're going to have Tony Smith. Fisher Hamilton, Caleb Batson, and Justin Burton Jr., right? So talk about Mark Richards, number one player in the world, that national singles victory that he's got under his belt. He's number four in doubles, Tony Smith. He's number two in singles, number one in doubles. Yeah. He's got a national doubles title, right? So he's, he doesn't have that singles title. Uh, then you have Caleb Batson. He's, uh, I believe, number seven in in singles. He's got two national doubles victories, so he's got you know he's got that advantage there having two. Justin Burton Jr.'s got one of each, right? He dropped all the way. I think he's fifth in singles, but he's got both a singles and a doubles national. That really helps him out. And then finally, Fisher Hamilton. I believe he's 10th. He had kind of a poor finish at the last national in comparison to what he had done all year. So he drops all the way to 10th, but he does have that other singles victory. And then he's top five in doubles alongside Gavin Cano. So those are, those are kind of the clear cut to me, um, you know, ballot, you know, people on the ballot for MVP. And I think this comes down to Richards versus Smith and, I think I think this will be the closest ballot race that we have ever had for MVP. I think it's legitimately split. I think maybe the public opinion gut feel says Tony Smith might have a little bit of an advantage. I think when people dive into the statistics, it may go a little bit more Mark Richards way. But I, I don't know, Anthony. I mean, have you, I'll put it this way. I haven't made up my mind yet. I, I do not know which way I'm going in. And I'm not waiting for more information. I'm I'm still thinking about which direction I want to go. Have you made up your mind? Or Mish, have you made up your mind? We're talking about making up our mind on the ballot, what that final ballot's going to look like. Yeah. So I put some thought into it, but I haven't made up my mind. But what you have here is it's pretty much, I mean, I think that's a lock. I mean, what, I can't really argue much of anything else. And like you were saying, I'm thinking about, who I think is going to finish off at Worlds and have a strong finish as well. So, yeah, I think that's it. What do you think, Mish? I'm still undecided. Your, I was going to say, have you guys pictured uh, maybe not the full ballot, but have you guys decided who who you're putting at number one on your MVP? Not I yet. am leaning in a direction, but I have not decided. Yeah, see, that's what I, that's what I think. You got three people on this uh, on this right now that watch it. Every day, every time there's an event, we're we're living it and breathing it, and neither one, of, none of us have made up our mind yet. Yeah, right? though it's not, it doesn't seem like a like a large gap between one and two. You know, it's it seems so close, and I can't remember last season if I felt that way or not. It feels like a lifetime ago. 
I think what separates yeah. these boys from the rest of the pack is just consistency. You know, when you talk about number of top 10 finishes, you know, you got a Mark Richards who's got seven top 10 finishes, you know, and this is actually data from before this last weekend. So we'll have to see how that plays in. But, you know, Tony Smith also seven top 10 finishes and the other boys have five or six. So we're just seeing them consistently show up deep into the top 10 and consistently see them in the final four appearances. So, you know, Burton Jr. comes out hot. At the beginning, Tony Smith's just kind of been good all season. We're seeing a late surge of Richards and Hamilton. So, man, just want to get to the end and see what happens. Absolutely. Rookie of the year, especially based on what you mentioned earlier, seems a little bit more cut and dry to me. Yeah, to me, uh, we can look at like how many people end up on that ballot, but this feels like another two-horse race between Justin Burton Jr. and Fisher Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's more of a lock. You think? Oh, yeah. The, compared to the MVP versus the Rookie of the Year, I, I, I see this one as a, like a lock two-horse race, Burton Jr. Hamilton. Do you know who you're going to vote for between Burton Jr. and Hamilton? Yes. <laughs> he doesn't want to say it, though. I, yeah, I'll, I'll say my vote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be putting Justin Burton Jr.'s one on my ballot. He's got a singles and a doubles. I, you know, I think at times Fisher has been – more impressive on the open series front, but uh, if he could could have turned one of those open doubles victories into a national doubles victory, I think we're talking about a different uh, situation. So I I think I'm leaning Justin Burton Jr. on my ballot, but I I think, yeah, I think it's a two horse race. Anything on you, Mish? I feel like I'm, I'm going towards Fisher. Really? Oh, okay. I see it. I see it. And then uh, breakout player of the year. This one's always a little bit more tough because we have people moving maybe smaller gaps, but higher at the numbers. So it's like if you go from 30 something to top 10, that's difficult to do. But then you have someone at 100 and something moving up into the 30s. So what yeah, do you think? I said, I sent Anthony some, some analysis to do on this to make sure the ballot looked good because there's a lot of candidates. I mean, I'm going to leave off, off this ballot. There are legitimately eight different players that you can include on that ballot and i think ultimately when we decide on the five that will be on the ballot it it's going to be a really strong achievement and you're going to have some people off that that legitimately should be there to me though as the ballot is bigger i still think the race isn't as close this one is my easiest actually i i truly believe that jake gore deserves the breakout player of the year he's a top five player in the world he was ranked outside the top 100 in doubles, he was fine last year. They had a really strong finish. But at the same time, you could argue he was being carried by his his, his brother Jack. So um, this season to jump over, jump about 100 spots into the top five, I don't think you can have anything as um, impressive of a jump as what we saw there. Yeah, so, so so to me, it's, it's an easier race, but ultimately one that uh, – um, is well-deserved. Anthony, anything to add before we get into hot takes? Yeah, I think Gore is a lock on that one. That, that's tough. Um, that that What he's been able to do this season, you know, after that, it was already great coming out of that, that earlier national. Then you get to this later national and he makes another run in Detroit. He's just kind of locking up and solidifying a breakout player. Um, and I see him continuing that at Worlds. So he's kind of a shoe and kind of a lock for me. <laughs> Agreed. All right, Trey, you got a hot take? 
I do have a hot take, and I'm I'm going crazy. I'm setting the storyline. Okay. Okay. Our singles world championship final will be between Mark Richards and Tony Smith, a rematch <laughs> in Detroit, and we get number one versus number two for all of the marbles in Rock Hill. Oh my God! I'll get my popcorn out. Be ready to go. That would be yeah. I would have to agree with that hot take. So I don't know how hot it is. <laughs> but oh. you got <laughs> Okay, my hot take is going to be a world's one as well. Um, I think we're going to get a sweep in singles and doubles again. I think it's going to be, you know, like a JBJ Chamberlain, a Smith Trzinski, a Richards Lopez, a Hamilton Cano. And there's actually a couple more I could throw in. I think whoever wins singles is going to pull out a win in doubles as well with their partner. Let's go. Wait, so you said again, but that's not what happened the last one. Well, we had uh, we had JBJ and Chamberlain do it out of the gate at National One, right? Oh, okay. So I thought like, you meant last yeah. uh, Worlds. Okay, yeah. I, I'm I'm tracking with you now. And it came close, um, right? If we went back to the last one, one I think point. both Tony Smith and Richard and Richards both had a shot at it, right? Well, yeah. And Mark Richards at Worlds last year was one point away from doing it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, you're right. And then he was yeah. If we go back to last season. Yeah, so at the last national, it almost national four Smith and Richards had a shot at it. It just seems like it's building up, like there's trends. And then yeah, if you go out to back to worlds, good point. Uh, up twenty to two, one point, <laughs> one point away from a sweep. So yeah, I think I think we get that at worlds. I'm going with uh, piggybacking off of trays. I'm just gonna pick the winner. I think Mark Richards does lock down singles again um to to really show everybody like we were talking about at the end of the season can he do it again i think he can and i think he will cold take come cold on take. there's so many people that could win singles that's not super cold all right that's all we got time for uh we'll see you guys all next week as we get more into talking about worlds thanks so much <laughs>